hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. You know, this is a topic that I understand can be very sensitive. Um, Many of us in this room, we've experienced what divorce is like, Our, our loved ones have experienced what divorce is like and the pain that can come out of it. So I just want to say from the jump that this is something, this is a topic that I approach um, with gentleness and a lot of seriousness and a lot of prayer. Um, I, I want to remind you that the Bible says that, that God, he, he hates divorce. And I think a big reason is because of the pain that comes out of it. But I also know that the Bible says that God is a restorer, that he's a healer, that he's a helper, there's nothing too big for him. No, no, no pain that we can hold is, is too big for him. He's not overwhelmed by it. He's not taken back by it. But it says in, in Psalms, I think it's 55, that we are to take our cares to the Lord and he will sustain us. So I, I want you to know tonight that, that there's no condemnation in this message. There's no judgment. I hope tonight you can hear some freedom and you can hear some hope as we discuss this topic, and and we're going to discuss divorce, but we're also going to discuss marriage, which I said before I started talking, something really cool just happened. Um, The last song that that we sang, Build My Life, was the song that uh, me and my wife worshipped to at our wedding, and uh, my bad. Um, Because we're going to talk about taking it back, taking it back to what God intended marriage to be like. And I just had this cool moment where I was listening to that song and I thought about four years ago, four and a half, whatever it was, that we sang that song and then we were sitting in the back worshiping to it again. And I just thought about the faithfulness of God and how good he's been. And no marriage is perfect, but when you strive to honor God with it, he gives you the grace to keep going. And it's incredible when you put him first, just what comes out of it. So it's super cool for me um, to just have that moment. And I wanted to share it with you and hopefully bring you some encouragement by it. Um, Lastly, real quick, before we really get started, just because you're not married in this room tonight doesn't mean that you can check out on me. Um, There's something in this message for you. And, and, And whether you're single, you're dating, you're engaged, wherever you're at, you can start to glorify God with your life tonight. And I believe if you glorify God with your singleness, it's going to lead you to glorify God in your dating life. And when you glorify God in your dating life, it's going to lead you to glorify him in in your engaged life. And an engagement that honors God will lead to a marriage that honors God. Amen? Amen. So don't check out on me. Hang in there. Um, And it's it's going to be good. I'm excited to see what the Lord does. So let's, uh, let's take a moment and let's pray. And then we're going to get into our scripture tonight. Heavenly Father, um, we just, we come before you and God, we, we just want you to know that we love you. God, so often in church, we get focused on worship and we get focused on speaking and we forget that we are in the presence of a truly holy and righteous God. That God, you are here with us God, I pray that you would set our hearts to you tonight. 
that you would set our minds to you tonight, that you would keep us from, from, from wandering away. You would keep our, our minds from drifting off. God, help us to keep focused on you tonight. Lord, because I believe that you have a word for us. I believe that you have uh, an encouragement for us tonight. And God, we don't want to miss this opportunity to hear from you. God, I pray for anybody in this room who is carrying heavy burdens or who is going through something. God, I pray that you would just pour your grace out onto that. I pray, God, that, that you, would, you would help us tonight to let go of anything we're holding on to and to receive your word and to receive your way. Lord, I pray for myself as I know I can't do this without you. Lord, I won't try, but I will abide in you as you abide in me. I ask that when words fill me, you would speak. God, I don't know what we need to hear, but you do, so I pray that you would speak to us tonight. God, we love you, and we thank you, and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I forgot one thing. I am not a marriage expert. Let me tell you how I really know this. A few weeks ago, <laughs> there's a lot of things that have told me that I don't know that. But specifically, a few weeks ago, we were at uh, a wedding for uh, a girl that grew up uh, in our church, in our youth ministry, and they did the dance where all the married couples get on the floor, and then one by one, they dismiss the couples for who has been married the least amount of time. You guys know what I'm talking about? So besides the couple that got married literally an hour and a half before the dance, my wife and I were the first ones to get off the dance floor. So I am not an expert on marriage, um, and, and our conversation tonight is not uh, an exhausted message on marriage or divorce. We're just, we're going to stick within some confines of some scripture. Um, we're not going to get into all the nuances and even everything the Bible says about it. So I just wanted to mention that um, before you're like, this young dude's crazy trying to tell me how to live my life. Um, all right, so let's take it back. We're going to dive into... Um, two pieces of scripture tonight. The first is, is Matthew chapter 5 as we continue on our message in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to pick up in verse 31 and, and read 32. Um, this is what Jesus says. He says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery also. Now we're going to look at this right here, and we're going to jump to Matthew chapter 19, because what Matthew chapter 19 is, is Jesus is saying essentially the same thing, but it's going to get us an understanding of the context and a better understanding of what Jesus is talking about in this time, in this culture. So this is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. Um, if, you ch if you switch over to Matthew 19, I'm going to pick up in verse 3. Uh, this is what it says there. And the Pharisees, they came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together let no man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality 
and marries another, commits adultery. So this is the story that I really want us to dive in on. And if we rewind a little bit, we see the scene is Jesus, and he's talking to some Pharisees. And the Pharisees that day, the Bible says that they wanted to test Jesus. And they ask him this question about divorce and what grounds are permissible, if there's anything that would allow divorce to take place. We see that the Bible says they were testing Jesus, right? Which means they didn't really want an answer. They weren't really looking for the truth. What they were trying to do was get Jesus caught up. They were trying to get Jesus caught up in this debate that was going on at the time, and they wanted him to make a definitive statement. And they knew that whatever statement Jesus made, he was going to make somebody upset, right? He was going to make somebody's mad. So the Pharisees were trying to set him up, which is a side note, like, what a weird strategy, Like right? We've read the Gospels. Jesus was not concerned about upsetting people, right? Like, he was concerned with the truth and preaching the kingdom. So we see that in Jesus' response, even in a few verses later, he wasn't really falling into this trap. But they're trying to, to set him up. They're trying to get Jesus to make some enemies around this uh, divorce conversation that was going around. And, and the divorce, this, this controversy, was based off of people's understanding of Deuteronomy chapter 24 and what Moses meant in those verses. He uses a word called, uh, that's translated indecency, and there was a debate around what he meant. One school believed that what Moses was talking about was that adultery was the only place that divorce could happen. That if there was adultery committed, that divorce was allowed. Then there was this other school of thought. They took a very, what's the right, less serious approach to the topic. They believed that any grounds at all really could give a man the opportunity to divorce his wife. Whether she burnt breakfast or ticked him off or whatever at all, they believed that a man could divorce his wife for any cause. So there's these two debates going on, and Jesus, they're trying to get him caught in the middle of it. But like I said, Jesus, he wasn't playing their games, right? Because we see what Jesus responds with is by taking it all the way back, all the way back before the Mosaic Law, all the way back to the book of Genesis. I'm going to read again for you. Um, Matthew 19. Stu, if we can bring that back up, starting in verse 4. There we go. This is what Jesus answered to this culturally explosive question. He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So they no longer... They are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. You know what that answer is? That's an answer that goes above any cultural thing that's going on. That's an answer that you can stand on. That's an answer that you don't have to worry about what anybody's response is going to be. That's an answer where you can literally stand on the word of God and said, this is what it is. You see, the culture that day, they were caught up in their own ideas of what marriage should be like. They were caught up in their ideas of, of what they could get away with and what, what divorce could look like. But Jesus is like, y'all are missing the whole entire point. From the beginning, it was not so. From the beginning, God had a plan. He had a purpose and a design for marriage. I want to give you a quote um, from uh, Mr. Langham here, Chris Langham. He says that marriage is the one and only institution that predates sin, and it is good. Marriage was at the very core of creation, 
It is not a Christian notion. It is not a human invention nor a construct of culture or society. God made it. God invented marriage, and that's what Jesus is pointing these guys to. He's like, y'all can debate all you want, but the creator, he had a plan and design for this. That marriage was a man and a wife being committed to each other for life. And Jesus, Jesus drops this on them, and the Pharisees, I think they knew this scripture because they kind of come with a backup question, right? And we see them as Jesus drops this truth on them. They're like, well, why did Moses command a man to, to give a certificate to his wife for divorce and, and send her away? And this is a very, very important thing. And I, I think we got to stop and pay attention to it. Most commentators believe, and I believe too, that this verse, the Pharisees seem to be implying that Moses commanded divorce. They seem to, seem to be pointing that Moses was, was pushing divorce, that he, 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 was, he was kind of steering people in that direction. But that's not really what was happening back in the days of Deuteronomy. But I want to pause real quick before we get into that and, and give you one of my favorite quotes um, from Dr. Tony Evans in a reality statement. And he says, we are not called to adapt the Bible to our lives, but to adapt our lives to the Bible. Now, I stopped to point this out because I don't know if the Pharisees, they did this thing on purpose or if they had allowed their opinions and their culture to influence their understanding of Scripture. And I don't have a right to speak to that, but I know for us, this can very easily happen to us if we're not paying attention. We got to go to the Word of God with open arms and open hearts and open minds and allow the Bible to shape us and mold us. Amen. It's dangerous, man, when, when, when we have our ideas or we, we think this is how things should go to begin to kind of mess with the Bible a little bit. But that is not how it should be, right? And oftentimes we don't do that on purpose. It can kind of sneak in on us. But I wanted to, to bring this up and, and show you this quote. I, I love it. From, from Tony Evans, and I think it's, it's super important. But back to Deuteronomy here and what was going on with, with, with Moses. Back in the day, in Moses' day, divorce had completely gotten out of hand. In Deuteronomy 24, Jesus, or Jesus, Moses puts a law in saying that divorce is allowed, but you have to go about it the right way. You have to give your wife a certificate of divorce. You have to go about it in the appropriate legal manner with witnesses and all this kinds of stuff so that the wife had proof that she had been divorced. Because back in the day, what was happening is these wives were getting divorced and they were kind of out on their own. And then guys were saying, oh no, that's still my wife. And the, the women had no way to, to make a living in that culture. They had no way to survive in that culture. So what Moses did is he tried to bring some order back to something that had become chaotic. He, he put out this protection to protect these women and their children from being taken advantage of by men who were living sinful passions and, and, and following the desires of their flesh. I want to show you um, a quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones just to give us some better context on this. He says that in those, days, in those days, you remember, the men generally held a very low and poor view of women. They had come to believe that they had the right to divorce their wives for almost any kind of frivolous and unworthy reason. The Mosaic legislation, therefore, was introduced in order to regularize and control a situation that had not only become chaotic, but was grossly unfair to the women, and which, in addition, led to untold endless suffering on the part of both women and children. 
So we see that Moses, he didn't command people to get divorced. He wanted them to go about it in the right way because of their sinful nature and because of what was happening to these people. Divorce was ruining lives. It was ruining lives. It was, it was killing their society and their culture. And Moses, Moses put this in there to be a thing of protection. Moses never commanded divorce. And we see that Jesus, in his response to this, points out that Moses put that in because of the hardness of those people's hearts. Because they didn't have a heart of flesh, because they weren't living for God, because they weren't pursuing the things of God. They were pursuing whatever they wanted to and ruining everybody's life along the way. Jesus says, because of the hardness of hearts, I don't have this on the screen, but, but Dr. Tony Evans said, the hardness of hearts here is a failure to live up to the divine standard that had been set by God. They were not living up to this standard, and because of that, lives were being ruined, and, and so Moses did what he did to protect families and, and, and their society. Jesus goes on, though, I want to point this out, too, at the end of verse 8, and he says, that Moses allowed this because of the hardness of your heart. But from the beginning, y'all, it was not so. That was still not the plan. I know what Moses said. That was not the plan from the beginning. In verse 9, we see that Jesus hops back into what he talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, talking about divorce on the grounds of, of sexual immorality. And we see here, even Jesus, he does not command divorce, he does not tell people to get divorced. He says this is the grounds in which it can take place. But you do not have to do it, is what Jesus said. He never said this is the way that you should go. I want to I point out here what we've pointed out and, and kind of make a pivot in our conversation. Everything that the Pharisees brought to the attention of Jesus was impacted by their culture, impacted by this debate that they loved to have, impacted by all of these things other than God. And what Jesus does is he takes them back to the beginning. He takes them back to the beginning and he points them to God's original design and his original intention for marriage. He points them to what probably I think is the most beautiful, wonderful thing that God has ever given us besides Jesus. And that's marriage for life, a man and a woman together for life. You see, God had a design for marriage, and he had an intention for it. To quote the great philosopher Jalen Hurts, he said, I had a purpose before everybody had an opinion. Before everybody had an opinion about marriage and an idea about divorce, God had a purpose for it. God had a purpose for marriage, and it was going to be an example of his love. It was going to be an example of Jesus and his relation to the church and his love for his people. I want to show you what, what Paul says in the book of Ephesians. He says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way that Christ and the church are one. Stu, don't, don't, uh, don't move that yet, brother. That last sentence is one of the most powerful things I've ever heard in my life. When I really sat down and looked at it and thought about it, 
I thought, oh my, oh my goodness. Like, church, we may have missed something. We, we may have missed something. We, we need to take hold of this. We need to take charge of this. Y'all, our marriages are supposed to point people to Jesus Christ. Our marriages are supposed to be an example of the Son of God coming and dying on the cross for His people and being united with them and taking care of them and providing for them. That is what our marriage is about. That is so deep and so powerful. And I think it's, I think it's absolutely wonderful. I think it's wonderful. It's a great mission for us to take on. It's a great challenge for us to embrace. That we want people to look at us and our marriages, and we want them to know about Jesus. I want to show you a quote from, from Francis Chan that I love. He said that there's more at stake in your marriage than just your marriage. The beauty of the gospel is at stake. The beauty of the gospel. I really started to think about this. And I started to think about the gospel and what Jesus has done for us. Started to think about the cross. And I was like, man, what? Like, how can our marriages reflect that? Like, how can people see that in our marriages? And I want to say that God showed me something and brought my attention to something I'm very proud of and something that I found a lot of encouragement in. I began to think about this. Okay, they can see the gospel. They can see Jesus in our marriages. What does that look like? And you know what I started to do and started to think about? I started to think about our church. And God started to bring peoples to mind, married couples that, that I see Jesus in. And I, and I started out with my mom and dad. <laughs> but I look at my mom and dad's marriage, and I see the faithfulness of Jesus. I started to think about people like Mr. Phil and Miss Laura Preston and their heart for Valley View Food Bank. And I see Jesus' care for people who are in need. I think about uh, Mr. Eric's and Miss Pauline at VBS running around with the kids, Miss Jerry Hill and Greg, always back there with the little kids teaching them the gospel. And I see Jesus's heart for children and his love for them to come to know them right now. I think about uh, Mark and, and Miss Shelley Cooper and, and Miss Kim and, and Stu, and I just see the servant heart of Jesus willing to do anything and everything to serve the church. And I don't mean to embarrass anybody or big anybody up or, or, or miss anybody because our church is, is filled with these marriages. But I just thought, what a blessing to read something in the Bible, to look at the body of Christ that I'm a part of and be like, we're doing something right. We're not perfect, but we're doing something right. That I look at these marriages that are a part of our body and I'm like, man, no, this is a thing. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it stands out. So I want to kind of pivot and, and kind of give us some practical things that we can begin to do to show Jesus to the world through our marriages. And the first one, as I kind of used those examples, was, man, serve the Lord together. Serve the Lord together. And look, serving in the church is awesome. And we got so many opportunities to do that. The list is it's long for opportunities to hop into Discovery Point Church and serve. But you can serve the Lord outside of these walls. I would pray 
or for you and tell you and your spouse to pray together and say, Lord, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? What, what, what can this look like? Man, get creative. You know, one of the coolest things that's happened in my life right now in my marriage is um, my wife has become a certified cycle instructor. You know, no big deal. Um, but she's a certified cycle instructor. But this was something that when she began to have this passion and desire about it, we started to pray about it. And, and, and she came up with this idea and she was like, man, this could be huge for the kingdom of God. She, she wants to create a place where people can come and feel loved and feel valued and, and, and get away from the stresses of life and get a workout in and, and, and have some fun. She literally said the words, I want people to come to my cycle class and just feel like they loved and, and feel like they're loved, like they're having fun and like, they're mat- like they matter. And I get to come alongside her in that and I get to go to her cycle class and meet people and, and, and kind of push that culture forward. But it's something we prayed about and we looked at as a kingdom opportunity. So you can do all for the glory of God, right? Man, get creative. Take a risk. Take a shot. Just do something. And I believe that that the Lord will take care of you and and do some amazing things through you. He'll do some amazing things through you. I have um, two things that I I don't want to forget to say this. You don't have to be married to start serving the Lord. So if you are dating, you're engaged, you don't got to wait. Don't wait for the ring, ladies. You know what I'm saying? Like, get out there and start serving the Lord. Single people, let me holler at you for a second. I met my wife serving the Lord at a summer camp. We both prayed about going to this camp, seeing if the Lord wanted us to go. He sent us there. We went there to serve him, to make an impact for the kingdom. And he took a dude from Peoria, Arizona, and a girl from Flora, Mississippi. Y'all ever heard of Flora? I, st- I don't know where it's on the map still. I don't know. But he took two people from there, and he brought them together based off of serving him, right? So if you want to date somebody who loves the Lord, you want to date somebody who serves the Lord, I can tell you where to find them, out there serving the Lord, all right? So go serve the Lord, and, and no telling what God will do for you. Let me give you a, a reality statement on this, that, that couples that work for God's mission, will find themselves living in his purpose. Couples that work for God's mission will find themselves living for God's purpose. Man, pray with your spouse. Say, God, what, what, where, where can we jump in on your mission? Where can we hop in on this? And if you pursue that, you'll be living in his purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the first kind of practical step in, in, in showing Jesus to the world is, is, is serving God together. The second is the way that we love each other. It's the way that we love each other. The, marriage, the, the, the love that's found in a Christian marriage should be different than any other love because it, it's, it's supposed to be an example of a different kind of love, right? It's supposed to be an example of the way that Jesus loves the church. That's the kind of love that we're supposed to show to the world, but specifically to our spouse. That, that kind of love that Jesus had where he forgives people who didn't deserve to be forgiven, that he served people who didn't deserve to be served, that he went to the cross and died for people who did not deserve his sacrifice. That's the kind of love that we're called to, especially in our marriages. Not a love built off of passion or feelings or self, but a love that is selfless and sacrificial. Right? The Bible says a love that is patient and kind, 
a love that keeps no record of wrong, a love that, that is for others, a love that endures all things, hopes all things, a love that never gives up. That's the kind of love that should fly out of our marriage for people to see that there's something different about those people. We love because he first loved us, right? Man, when we, when we focus on the Lord, when we love him first and, and we allow his love to change us, man, we'll, we'll love our spouses better. We'll love our spouses better. So my friends, my, my challenge tonight is for us to take it back. Let's take it back to the beginning. Take it back to God's original purpose, to his original intention. He wants to use our marriage. It's one of the best tools for evangelism that he has given us. So let's lean into the Lord. Let's pursue him. And let's take our marriages back to their original intention and let God do some work through us. Amen. 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 Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you so much. And we thank you for um, the gift of marriage. And God, that incredible relationship that you created, that you gave us, God, you, you gave it to us with intention, with a design. You've given us steps to follow, ways to go about it, Lord. May we be the kind of people that follow your purpose and your design, not the opinions and the ideas of the world. God, I pray that through our marriages, oh, those of us in the room who are married, God, that, that our love for you would grow deeper, and out of that, our love for each other would grow deeper, and that that love would, wouldn't stay between us, Father, but that it would, it would go out, and it would catch the attention of people, and they would want to know more about you because of the way that we love each other. God, I pray for anybody in this room who's dating and engaged. God, I pray that you give those people the right mindset to pursue you and love you and go about that relationship in a biblical, God-honoring way. Pray for single people in this room, Lord. God, that, that, that you would help them to, to, to be God-honoring in their, in their singleness. God, that they would, they would build habits right now that would help them be good wives and good husbands. God, that, that they, would, they would pursue you first. And God, let their life fall into place in that. God, I pray that as a church, God, you would continue to help us to live this kingdom life. You would continue to help us to be an example of you. And that, God, that you would use us, that we wouldn't hold back from you, God, but that we would pursue you with everything we have, that you give us the grace and the strength that we, we, we need to keep going. God, we ask this in the holy and the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.